Welcome to the Bruce Siski Show. Follow the Bruce Siski Show on Twitter to interact anytime. Got something on your mind? You can text Bruce during the show by using the short code 84454. You're listening to the Bruce Siski Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL. 1012, it's a Monday. Hope the weekend was swell. 22nd of January, 2024, Bruce Siski Show on KDAL. Lots to get to here this hour. Lots to recap from the weekend and a very busy week that we'll be setting you up for as well. We'll start off with some football, a lot of football from the weekend and elsewhere. From Purple Inside of the great Matthew Collar was with us. Good morning, sir. What a day of football it was. Huh? What a weekend of football it was, really. I mean, that's always my favorite weekend of the year with the divisional games. Um, you have a lot of football. It's like wire to wire, and it always seems like they have crazy endings. And guess what? There was a crazy all-time classic ending. So it was uh, it was a great day to watch football. Yeah, it certainly was. Uh, yesterday was fun. Those games both, I think, delivered uh, a lot of entertainment and, and a lot of drama down the stretch, which is which is what we're looking for, right? That's what we want in, the, in, in playoff football. Uh, let's start. We'll, we'll get to the Vikings. I promise. There's there, there's plenty of topics there as their offseason uh, uh, begins prematurely for what feels like the umpteenth time here in recent years. But I want to talk about yesterday first because you've got that Buffalo back round to you Matt and uh your thoughts on 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 the Buffalo Bills what went wrong yesterday because it wasn't just Tyler Bass missing that field goal uh and what's next here now for the Bills yeah um you talk about uh, me being from Buffalo my first sports memory that is seared into my brain is Scott Norwood missing Ugh. it wide right and, you know, before the game, a couple days ago on my podcast, when I, we were doing our previews of the games, I said I was concerned about the kicker. Because at the end of the Pittsburgh game, it probably went forgotten, but he shanked one really badly. And it's one of the hardest places to kick in the entire NFL. And I thought, you know, it's not something that a lot of people are going to talk about with this matchup, but like, kind of keep an eye on this kicker because something seems a little bit wrong there. And then when he lines up, I'm just, I'm just calling it. Just in the living room, he's missing this. He's missing this. And then, you know, wide right it went. Uh, but, you know, for Buffalo, uh, this was it, man. Like, I know as long as you have Josh Allen, as you saw yesterday, you're going to have a chance to compete for Super Bowls. But this was really their chance. I mean, you get a Kansas City team that is at its weakest version probably since Patrick Mahomes has been their quarterback. You're at home. You finally have Mahomes on your turf. You throw a bomb to Stephon Diggs, one of the best deep ball catchers of the last decade, and it goes through his hands. Uh, you're right there, and you know Diggs is open underneath, but I wonder if Josh Allen wasn't trusting him after he dropped that pass and decides to throw a ball, but he gets just a little bit pressured, and they have to line up for that field goal. I mean, that's been the Bills during this Mahomes era is just – ever ever so close but now you kind of look at where that team is at you look at players getting expensive players getting older because this happens very quickly and i'm reminded of the 2017 vikings that we thought was going to be great forever and their roster stayed together for a few more years and then totally fell apart so how they now rebuild this thing around a very very expensive josh allen is going to be a huge question for them and then how do you get closer than this 
how do you I mean just how do you wake up today and think all right I guess we'll just go do it again next year I mean that's got to be so incredibly tough after all the ways that Kansas City has broken their hearts over the last few years uh, last uh, last night's game Kansas City ran 43 plays that were not kneel downs they had 21 first downs uh, the, the the Bills defense Sean McDermott decided to take it over and in the big spot, Matt, I, I, it didn't look like to me they delivered very well. Yeah, and uh, how much of that is the injuries that they went through? Their entire linebacking core was out. They had uh, guys in the secondary that were out. I, I think that their defensive line is just pretty good, but not unbelievable to begin with. So they were kind of hemorrhaging and trying to do everything they could to contain the greatest quarterback of our generation, and it's just not easy. But, you know, something that did really stand out to me in this game was how well Kansas City was able to run the ball. In fact, there were times where I was saying, like, maybe you should even be running it more as successful as Patrick Mahomes was. They got, a, you know, Buffalo got a few stops later in that game where they kind of went away from the, you know, the run game that Pacheco was just having so much success. I think he averaged something like six yards a carry. And... You know, it's been kind of a theme a little bit in the playoffs, and I always think of everything through a Vikings lens and that you have to have that counterpunch, and Kansas City did, and it's just ironic, right, that they chose this time for the receivers to start catching the ball. All of a sudden, Rasheed Rice is a star. I think it was huge for them to sit Travis Kelsey late in the season and let him recover because he looked a lot like himself, and when that is cooking, it's a major problem for opponents. But you're right, I mean – that was what Buffalo was going to have to live on. If you're facing the greatest quarterback alive, then what you're going to have to do is you know, get a few key stops there. But, you know, that's the thing. That game was always going to be a heavyweight fight between two of the two best quarterbacks in the NFL. And the Bills had the ball last with a chance, and they just didn't come through. So I know, yeah, like, of course, uh, you know, the Bills' defense did fail them uh, quite a few times in that game, but they were right there, man. Uh, Matthew Call, a Purple Insider, and again, we'll get to the Vikings. Uh, in fact, we can cut ahead there shortly here. Packers, Niners, Saturday night. Uh, I, I'm trying to watch the first half. We'll call it a hockey game. I saw most of the game uh, back at the hotel. And obviously a disappointing conclusion for the Packers. Vikings fans were probably celebrating for the most part on Saturday night, but that and that's okay. But uh, your thoughts on, on what went wrong for Green Bay Saturday? It, it felt like they left a lot of points on the board. Quite frankly, the offense looked like a lot of what the offense looked like the first part of the season. Yeah, I think at the end of that game, and I don't blame him for this, Jordan Love got a little antsy um, because who wouldn't? Right? I mean, you're just on that stage at that moment, and it wasn't just the across-the-body throw. It was also the interception that was high and behind. Yep. That was, again, like you said, that was an earlier-in-the-season version of Jordan Love that we didn't really see in the second half of the year. But I would say any Vikings fan who's watching that game and is thinking, oh, that's so funny, the Packers lost, uh, you're a fool. You're an absolute fool. Because in the first half of that game, three-quarters of that game, Jordan Love is fantastic. He's in total command. Uh, he's on the biggest stage against the best defense, battling toe-for-toe toe with a great San Francisco 49ers team, and he's finding receivers, and he's leading them and making plays, firing balls off off platform. And that's, that's a huge problem for the Minnesota Vikings in the future. And, you know, this is probably the least disappointed the Packers fans should be in a really long time because you know 
you know what comes next is that this is a super young team that they're going to build on around Jordan Love. And to me, even the way that it ended, he proved on that stage that he belongs and that he's going to continue to be there year after year because he's on that level for talent. And they did it again, you know, that, that Breaking Bad quote, you can't keep getting away with this. The Packers can't. <laughs> they can keep getting away with this. And now, you know, as you connect that to the Vikings, like they're going to have to deal with this. The Lions are in the NFC Championship game, and Jordan Love is for real. Uh, you can't just putz around to re-sign Kirk Cousins and hope that you get nine wins or something again. Uh, great, great reference, by the way. Uh, so I'm going to put you on the spot a bit here. Maybe you know the answer right off the top of your head. In the top 100 picks of the 2024 NFL Draft, how many times will the Vikings select as it's set right now? That would be two. Uh, the Packers have five, and I think the Lions yep. have four. Correct. So th- yep. this, we're just going to add to the problems here, Matt, for the Vikings because you know you just kind of touched on the big issue, which is the quarterback position. The Vikings have two picks in the top 100. Even if they wanted to move up in this, you know, this draft that's full of teams that are starving for quarterbacks and quarterbacks that are waiting to get picked, it's not going to be easy with so little draft capital to work with in the top 100. Uh, you forgot also that the Chicago Bears have two top picks two, ahead of two, the Vikings. Yeah, two of the top ten. Right. The, yeah, number one and uh, what number ten or number nine? Nine. And yeah. So, yeah, yeah, number nine. So uh, that's a problem as well because the Chicago Bears won as many games as the Vikings this year and uh, added, you know, Montez Sweat in the middle of the season, who's a great player for them. Uh, I don't know if Matt Eberflus is a good coach, but I sure know that their defense is legit with him. They just hired a very legit offensive coordinator. They could trade uh, Justin Fields for more draft capital. I mean, it's a problem, this division. This division looks like it could very soon be the toughest in the entire NFL, and how are you going to keep up? And I'll tell you what that answer isn't. It's not bringing back a 36-year-old with his Achilles tied together. That's just, that's absolutely not it. For $30 million or $40 million, or I don't even care. Like, people have talked about, oh, well, what if he takes a hometown discount? Then he's still the least talented quarterback in the division by physical gifts, if you're talking about love and and, uh, you know, Jared Goff and potentially Caleb Williams, and then they're also the worst roster. Why would you bring back a 36-year-old quarterback to the worst roster in your division? And, it's, it, look, the Vikings have one defensive lineman worth anything that's under contract, and that's Harrison Phillips, who's a situational run defender. I mean, that's, that's – is defensive line important, Bruce? I think it is. Seems like it. So, like, yeah, the, Lion, the yeah, Lions have a pretty like good it. one, and the Packers have a pretty young one. Yeah, seems like it. Seems like it. That Nick Bosa guy seems like he's a big deal. Uh, and you also don't have really assets. They have money, but my question is, you know, when, with 31 teams that want to sign free agents, why would anyone come to you? And if you, and if you bring back Kirk Cousins, then how do you sign anybody? Uh, along with adding, you know, $35 million to Justin Jefferson. This, this outlook for this team is as bleak as it has ever been i mean they they are lost in the woods right now and there's really only one way out which would be to draft a quarterback who becomes great and you know uh, there's no guarantees but that to me is your only route that would at least send you down a path that maybe eventually could compete with these teams but these builds from everybody else they started years ago and they all came to fruition the lions tanked in 2021 you know the chicago bears tanked in 2022 
and Green Bay drafted Jordan Love in 2020 with plans to get here to this point, and all of those worked. And here's the Vikings saying, hey, remember when we luckily won 13 games and lost to the Giants? That was good, right? No, actually it wasn't. So I don't really know what their plan is right now, and we didn't get any clear answers from the GM or the head coach at the end of the year. There's a surprise. Uh, Matthew Color Purple Insider, our guest. Uh, I I am not – I'm going to ask this question, but I want to make very, very clear everybody listening. I am not right now advocating this position. I have seen this argument made. I have seen it floated by people who cover this team who who pay a lot more attention to this team than I do. You're one of those people. I'm not saying you floated this opinion, but you pay a lot more attention to this team than I do. Should the Vikings explore a potential trade of Justin Jefferson? Yeah, I figured that's where you were headed. Uh, My answer would be no, uh, because if you ever want to win anything, you need greatness. Yeah. You do not win the Super Bowl. Whoever wins the Super Bowl, we can pretty much count on. Uh, They're not going to do it with with a bunch of average players, right? If it's Baltimore, look at their roster. If it's San Francisco, look at their roster. And some of these players have been great through ups and downs. Uh, They have been great through dips with their team. You know, San Francisco had a year where they won six games, right? And you can't just trade away a guy who's 25 years old and is the greatest player at his position uh, in hopes of whatever hits on whatever next draft pick. Uh, Now, if Justin Jefferson was 32, I would say, oh, absolutely trade him away. And look, this team had a chance to trade Daniel Hunter, and they said, no, no, we're going to fight for the seventh playoff seed. Why? Without our quarterback, why? Why would you do that? All they did by keeping Daniel Hunter was make themselves just good enough to miss out on a top-five draft pick. Like, this whole let's let's play around in the middle thing has to end at some point if they're ever going to get there. But that's not by getting rid of one of the best players in the world because NFL rebuilds, what you can tell from what we've seen from these other teams, is they don't have to take forever. It was just a couple years ago that Detroit was an absolute laughingstock, and now they're great. So, yeah, is it going to be probably a tough year next year? Yes, but if you draft a quarterback, then you get a ton of cap space, you build around them, and Justin Jefferson can be there for you on the other side of this to compete for a Super Bowl. But uh, to me, that's a once – well, I mean, I shouldn't say generational player because there are a lot of great receivers, but to be the best in this era of amazing receivers, you just don't come along that. And maybe Vikings fans feel entitled. Like, we'll just draft the next one because we always do. But it doesn't work like that. So, you know, I, I think that there's no real merit to that discussion and that they should not do that. But it's more – you've got me more over to that side if you're making that case than ever because of how bad the overall roster is. But I, I just can't get that. The other re- reason I bring it up is, I mean, he's unsigned after next season. And, you know, yes, we all believe that they're, they're going to get a contract extension done. But I got to think the longer that they go without getting a contract extension done, the more that this team's going to begin to pick up and just annoy everybody. Yeah, I, I mean, one thing is that the way that this thing is handled is not actually all that unusual. I mean, usually superstar players go into the season before their fifth-year option before they sign the extension. We saw that from Nick Bosa uh, last year. The only reason they were having negotiations is just because Justin Jefferson is so unique and so special. And, you know, the NFL is really set up for first-rounders to stay with their teams. If a first-rounder is being let go, that means the team really doesn't like that guy. (laughs) I mean, for the most part, 
or just doesn't think he's worth it uh, because they could, they've got the fifth year option and they can franchise tag Jefferson after that. And the only thing he could do would be to pull the George Costanza and, and try to, you know, get uh, traded. But I, I mean, I don't know. I, I should call it the, the digs, but I, I, you strike me as a Seinfeld guy. So, but uh, you know, I, I just think that uh, the league is set up so much contract wise, it would just make so much more sense. And, you know, his injury this year should be a reminder that nothing is guaranteed in this world when it comes to, you know, your NFL career. Uh, but you can get a lot of guaranteed cash in your pocket when you sign that huge deal. And then if you want to get traded later, you can always work your way out like many other stars have done uh, after they've gotten their big contract. So I think that they'll sign him. But they do have to not – they wasted this guy's rookie contract, man. Zero playoff wins with the greatest receiver on earth is crazy. What an absolute waste. Uh, I mean, because that's – think about the value for a guy who was making only a couple million bucks to be the best receiver and they couldn't even make the playoffs. Jeez. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Uh, one more from Matthew Collar, Purple Insider. All right, and I know we're running long here, but you mentioned the name Kirk Cousins. You've made it very clear you don't think the Vikings should re-sign him. I've made it very clear, for whatever it's worth, I don't think the Vikings should re-sign him. If Kirk Cousins is not a Minnesota Viking in 2024, where do you think he'll be? There's another part of that, too, which is, if Kirk Cousins called me and asked, which he won't, uh, if he said, hey, what do you think I should do? I would say, run. <laughs> if, if, if you want your legacy to be anything except for the 500 quarterback who could never get it done, then you're going to have to go somewhere else. I mean, the, the obvious answer is the Atlanta Falcons, regardless of whether it's Belichick or whoever else. That team's ready. That team has been building for years. They're ready to win. And Baker Mayfield just took an NFC South team to, you know, within eight points of uh, going to the NFC championship because the NFC, NFC South is really bad. And, like, if you're Kirk, that's what you should chase. I mean, he's pro- who knows if he even plays two more years in the league, right, with the way that NFL bodies are? I mean, you got to be thinking about this. Every year could be my last. Are you going to spend it watching your defense get throttled by Jordan Love next year? Like, I don't see any reason why Kirk would – come back unless he really really likes his kids kindergarten here but aside from that this is just not a place where you're an older quarterback and you want to drop in and try to chase a championship matt where can people find your stuff uh purpleinsider.com has everything youtube podcast articles i'll come to your house and shovel your snow whatever you want Ooh, I, that's tempting i'll call you all right no that's a lie all right i figured Bye. thank you matt appreciate it all right, thank you. Matthew Collar, Purple Insider. Again, purpleinsider.com, the website. I, I, I can shovel my own house. It's fine. It's okay. I don't have, I don't have a sidewalk. 1031, plus it's barely snowed up here. More to come. Bruce Hiskey Show brought to you by Sanju. This is the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. We'll talk Minnesota basketball after this. The Golden Gopher women's basketball team registered an impressive 69-50 win over Michigan State on Saturday at Williams Arena. Mallory Heyer of Chaska turned in an 18.15 rebound double-double and joined Justin Gard and Lynette Showquist after the game. It starts on the defensive end. I mean, they're such a good offensive team and they're scoring 90 points a game. So I thought overall our defensive effort was really, really good today, keeping them 40 points under their season average. So I'm really proud of that we got it done on the defensive end and that translated into our offense. And 
uh, your offense, five three-pointers. Mallory higher. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, I was feeling it. My teammates, um, they got me They got me good passes, and they found me. So all credit to them. Well, we talked about it you, when you guys were kind of running the flex offense there in one of the situations. I mean, <laughs> there's not many players your size to play your position that are coming off a down screen with the hands ready to go. And just if I get this, I'm, I'm shooting it. And have you always had that as part of your game? Is that something you've added here since you've been on campus? You've always been a great catch-and-shoot kind of spot shooter, but that to me was was unbelievable today, Mal, just running the play for you and getting open. What led to that? Yeah, that's just something I've been working on, um, you know, just in practice, and I just feel like it just showed in the game today. So I've definitely been working on that and reading screens and running new plays and stuff like that. The Gopher women visit Wisconsin tomorrow night for an 8 o'clock tip-off. That's the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. The Bruce Siski Show. Well, I'm being told that Average Joe's does not have enough players and will be forfeiting the championship match. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for us. On 610 and FM 103.9 ADAM. Coming up, we're running late. Long conversation with Matthew Collar. We'll set you up for the week. We'll recap some other items from the weekend and more. All that to come, 1037. CBS News is next on KDAL. Miss a part of the show or you can't believe what Bruce said? You can podcast at KDAL610.com. 1042. Good to have you along on a Monday morning. Brought to you by Sanju, Sanju Polaris, Sanju.com, where the cars are. Bruce Siski Show, back with you till 11 o'clock. So, uh, next, or this week, I should say, let's see what's coming up tomorrow. UMV women's basketball head coach, Mandy Pearson. I've uh, got a message into Alan Horton, Timberwolves Radio Network. Hopefully, he can join tomorrow before they hit the road. Uh, they're heading out east. They got uh, Washington on Wednesday night. And I think they got Brooklyn Thursday. We've got them both here on the radio. Then, uh, this weekend, they're in San Antonio. And then they're back in OKC a week from tonight to wrap up this four-game trip. So uh, we'll try to get him on tomorrow. Uh, mentioned Mandy Pearson tomorrow as well. Off a weekend split for the Bulldogs. are back home this weekend at Romano Gym Friday and Saturday. Later on this week, women's senior Madeline Granica, who's having a very good year for the Bulldogs. We've got Sadie Lundquist, the new director of women's hockey, for College Hockey, Inc. will be with us this week. Miami hockey coach Chris Bergeron. Bulldogs hosting Miami in men's hockey this weekend, 7 o'clock Friday and Saturday here on KDAL. UMD women's hockey head coach Maura Kroll. Her Bulldogs hosting defending national champion Wisconsin this weekend. We'll have those games on the radio for you. Friday and Saturday at 3 from Amsoil here on KDAL. Also this week, UMD men's hockey senior defenseman Darian Goats. We'll talk about how much he got to hear from the uh, Lawson Lunatics this past weekend in Kalamazoo. Uh, so if you weren't tuned in and, and you're not familiar, the Lawson Lunatics student section, probably the most notorious currently running in college hockey. Uh, they are interesting. It's, it's quite the atmosphere, no question about it, in Kalamazoo. So... They target number four on the opposing team. It goes back to when Tory Krug played at Michigan State for I don't know how it started, but with Tory Krug, but that and it evolved. Veneto's forty four because he wore forty four in college, and now it's four because nobody wears forty four. 
So it's four. Every team's number four is a very naughty word. Well, UMV doesn't have a number four and never will again. It was retired after Dylan Sandberg's Bulldog career wrapped up in 2020 in honor of Kurt Giles. So that number hangs in the rafters in our building and will forever. Because of that, there's no number four. As it works out this year, UMV doesn't have a three or a five either. Last year, it was Wyatt Kaiser who drew the ire of the lunatics all weekend because he was number five. They don't have one this year. So Daring Goats at number two and Ben Steves at number six were the closest things that UMV has to a number four. And they chose Daring Goats. From the warm-up on Friday, they chose Darien Goats. And uh, so I'll talk to Goater this week about that and uh, look ahead of this weekend against Miami at Amsoil Arena. Uh, we talked about the Packers with Matthew Collar a little bit. And and the reality is the future is very bright. Very bright. So I, I mentioned with Matthew, they've got five picks in the top 100. I don't want to be the guy who is sitting here, um, you know, on January 22nd talking draft. I am insistent by the way that we not do that but the Packers have five picks in the top 100 and oh by the way just took the Niners to the absolute brink in the divisional playoff round so this is as Matthew said very eloquently this is going to be a problem for the NFC North especially the Vikings going forward and Packers fans should be very happy with the position their team is in at this particular point in time Vikings fans not so much um I, I, it, it, this would be a tough one to, to come back from immediately, but we'll see what the, they can do here in the offseason to try to get something going for 2024 and at least start moving the needle in the right direction. Uh, Timberwolves get the Hornets tonight. Coverage at 645 here on KDAL from Target Center in Minneapolis as the Wolves try to get back in the win column. After a tough loss on Saturday at OKC, a game where the Thunder outscored the Timberwolves 28-14 to in the fourth quarter. The Wolves have been closing on a lot of teams this year. They've done a fantastic job in second halves and fourth quarters of games. Saturday was not one of those nights. They shot 3-for-13 in the fourth quarter. Turnovers continue to be a problem. When I was there um, on a week ago Sunday, a week ago yesterday, to watch the Clippers game, the Wolves got up by 11 points at the end of the first quarter. And the Clippers came back. Why did the Clippers come back? Well, the Wolves kept turning the ball over. Offensively, when the Wolves got shots, they were great. They shot well. They took good shots. The problem was they didn't get enough. They didn't, they, they didn't protect the basketball very well. And this continues to be an issue for this team. They are not taking care of the ball. And as long as this is a problem, it is the chief issue right now with this team is their ability or lack thereof to take care of the basketball. As long as this is a problem, it, is, it might be the biggest problem for the Wolves, but it's a major one. They've got to find a way to take better care of the ball. 
Because when they do, their offense is very efficient. And defensively, they continue to be very good. Except for that one thing. And that one thing might be enough to, to burn them in the end. You, you get in the playoffs, and you're turning the ball over. You're not protecting it. You're, you're not getting shots. You're giving other teams transition opportunities. That will spell doom come playoff time. And, and so that that's where the Wolves have to find a way to clean this thing up. Uh, Hornets tonight, then Wizards Wednesday at 6. Nets Thursday at 6.30. All those games right here on KDAL with 15-minute pregame shows. And then they're in San Antonio Saturday. No radio for that. They're back in uh, back here on KDAL next Monday from Oklahoma City. Final time this year against the Thunder, who've won two out of three so far in that season series. The Bucs will wrap up a two-game set in Detroit tonight. They won their 141 to 135 on Saturday. The Pistons are dreadful. Four and thirty-eight. They are two and thirty-seven since a two and one start to the season. But they've been giving some teams. They gave the, the Wolves a bit of a of a hassle last week. The Bucks only won by six on Saturday. Of course, the Pistons can't stop anybody. Defensively are just a dreadful team. And the Bucks took full advantage of that with Damian Lillard going off for 45 and Giannis for 41 in that win on Saturday. We'll see if they can match it tonight as the Bucks still sit quite a bit behind Boston for the top spot in the East. The Wolves won up on Oklahoma City after the loss Saturday, still up by a game on the Thunder for the top record in the Western Conference. All right, a few other things on the weekend. You know, the local scores from Saturday, KDAL610.com. Congratulations, Chloe Johnson of Duluth Marshall. 1,000 career points. And by the way, she's in the eighth grade. Great article on her from Chip Scoggins of the Star Tribune last week. Read that at startribune.com. 10.50, Ryan Phelps standing by, prep update. Then we'll wrap it up. Bruce Siski Show on KDAL. Your twin ports home for UMB Bulldog Hockey. Shot score! UMB! KDAL. 10.59. We wrap things up on this Monday. We're back at it tomorrow. Talk some Bulldog basketball ahead of a home weekend at Romano. Head coach Mandy Pearson for the UMB women. Crookston Friday, Bemidji Saturday. Tickets, umbbulldogs.com. She's with us tomorrow. And we mentioned the slew of guests we've got throughout the week, including we've added Colton St. Clair of the Minnesota Wilderness. Have a good Monday. Thank you so much for listening. Brad Bennett up after the news. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. Hit us up on Twitter at Bruce Siski Show and let us know what you think. No, yes, no, well. No, I I crossed my mind. Visit KDAL610.com to podcast today's show anytime. What'd you say? Listen to shows on demand and download for free. You can also subscribe via Spotify or your favorite podcast app. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. CBS News is up next. For more than 80 years, KDAL 103.9, W28FBFM, and 610 KDAL, Delusive Superior, a Midwest communication station. KDAL.